Worth. Production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. On a Friday morning, hope you're doing well. Friday, March 18th, 2022, coming to you from Milano, Italy. We're preparing for our pilgrims who will be arriving, God willing, tomorrow, safe and sound, from the good old U.S. of A. We have 41 wonderful pilgrims joining us from around the country. Myself, Stephen Janet Ray, and Deacon Dom. This is our Saints and Shrines Tour. As I mentioned yesterday, we're starting in the city of Milan, and then we're going to Florence, we're going to Assisi, Loreto, Lanciano, all the way down to San Giovanni Rotondo, way, way south in Puglia, and then back up and ending up in Rome. Very excited about this trip, and Deacon Dom and I always like to get in a little bit early so we're refreshed and ready for uh, the people when they come because it is a whirlwind tour, and, and Steve and company from the Footprints of God always keeps us on our toes, and it's just terrific. We have a wonderful priest, as I also mentioned yesterday, Father Conlon from the Diocese of Lansing, who will be joining us as our spiritual director. What I love most, though, about these trips is to see how people are impacted when they are walking through basically the history of the church, which is what you do when you go to Israel or Rome or Florence or any of these places where the church is is so very present. And we're going to learn about so many of the saints, and I'm going to talk about the importance of the saints a little bit later on in our Fact Check Friday piece. But today, Deacon Dom and I decided to head up to Lake Maggiore, which is the home area of St. Charles Borromeo, and I'm really looking forward to this. I haven't been to Lake Maggiore yet. I've been to the main other lakes in the Lake District, such as Cuomo and Garda. But I haven't been to Maggiore, and I'm very excited. And there's Catholicism and the Catholic Church is everywhere, including the beautiful Lake of Maggiore, which means major, basically, in Italian. So looking forward to that. And then we're going to be having dinner with Stephen Janet tonight in the Canal District of Milan. It's an area a lot of people don't know about. It's it's very unique, and the canals were, were dug, actually, to help bring in the equipment to develop major structures, including the Duomo in Milan. And in true Italian style, they turned it into this incredible area of boutiques and different shops and art galleries and restaurants and bars. And it's very, very uh, Milanese. So the Milan residents hang out there a lot, and it's definitely off the beaten path. And so I'll be doing some videos for my website TravelItalyExpert.com, and I'll be posting a lot as we move through this incredible journey. And next week, Vanessa Denhagarmo and Sherry Brownrigg will be filling in for me. And then the following week, I'll be back with you uh, before I head back to to uh, the United States of America. And we'll be checking in with Vanessa and Sherry as we move along and as Andrew holds down the fort with them back here in Ann Arbor, Michigan, where our show is based. So I just wanted to kind of give you an update of where we stand in terms of our pilgrimage Steve and Janet Ray, Teresa and Deacon Dom, leading 41 pilgrims through Italia for our Saints and Shrine trip. Okay, so today on the program, I think you're going to really enjoy this. Back in January, I actually interviewed, sat down in person with Jim Wahlberg. He came the night before our Good News Cruise for a book signing. Now, I've interviewed Jim before when his book, The Big Hustle, a Boston Street Kid Story of Addiction and Redemption first came out in September of 2020. He's been working hard to get the word out and to work with other people who are struggling with addiction. He has an incredible story of faith, but also an incredible story of the Eucharist working in his life along with that. 
and how he came to really a reconversion of his Catholic faith. It's a phenomenal journey. Of course, he's part of the famous Wahlberg family. But the most important thing in his life, in addition to his wife first and foremost, is his relationship with God and especially his relationship with Jesus in the Eucharist. And he talks about the ongoing process of healing and that you're always healing and how he hopes to help help others who are really struggling, especially so many people during COVID who develop various addictions. It's just such an amazing story of someone who turned their life completely around. Again, the book is The Big Hustle, Jim Wahlberg, and we sat down again back in January to chat about the book and about how things are going for him in terms of spreading the good news. And speaking of good news, we're going to do a good news story for a change in our Fact Check Friday. I was really touched by the Holy Father's homily that he gave at the Mass last weekend for the 400th anniversary of the canonization of several incredible saints, including my favorite, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Philip Neri, St. Ignatius of Loyola, and I believe St. Isidore the Farmer were the four saints that he honored. Catholic News Agency and the Register did great stories on this. And I just thought I would talk about the importance of looking back and getting a perspective, a different perspective. There's a great song by the Christian artist Stephen Curtis Chapman. It's entitled, Remember to Remember. And the message of the song is, Do not forget what the Lord has done. I think sometimes, I know for me and I'm sure for you, it's very easy to get caught up in all the negativity. It's so overwhelming. We look at the scandals in the church. We look at questions about things that are coming out of Rome. We look at the world, especially with the sadness and the and the tragedies we're seeing day after day in Ukraine. And we just kind of feel overwhelmed and we throw up our hands not knowing what to do. But what the saints do is they help us again pull back and truly get a Catholic perspective of things. So we'll take a look at that at our Fact Check Friday segment at the bottom of the hour. And then wrapping up, I think you'll really enjoy it, an interview with the top man at the Museum of the Bible, not only about the current Shroud exhibit, but also about the Museum of the Bible in D.C. in general and the gift it is to the nation's capital the country, and the world. Oh, and I don't want to forget the fact that tonight on EWTN News In-Depth at 8 o'clock Eastern, Monsi Alvarado is continuing the series entitled Life After Row. And it's a really important project. It was her idea, and we're looking at several different states across the great United States of America and the impact that the Dobbs case could possibly have and what would happen, please God, if Roe v. Wade were overturned. So this evening is my piece coming from Michigan because Michigan is really a ground zero state. We have a law on the books that was first passed back in the 1800s, reaffirmed in the early 1930s, which, please God, if Roe v. Wade is overturned means that we become a sanctuary state for the unborn. So what's happening in Michigan? There's a lot of development. You know that the pro-aborts aren't taking this uh, quietly. They've already formed a huge coalition. Well, so have pro-lifers. And very excited about what the pro-life movement is doing here in Michigan to push back against the pro-aborts. We'll have all the details, and that will be tonight as we continue the series Life After Row on EWTN News in Depth with Monsi Alvarado, 8 o'clock Eastern Time right here on the EWTN network. Steve Ray here with a Holy Land pilgrimage update. Israel's now open again and has removed all vaccine requirements. Our brand new buses and Catholic guide are ready to welcome you. Check out our upcoming pilgrimages to the biblical lands of Israel and Jordan. Pray every mystery of the rosary where it happened and walk in the footprints of Mary and Jesus and let us be your guides. To learn more about your Ave Maria Radio trip, find the Ave Maria Radio travel tab at AveMariaRadio.net. 
This Ave Maria program is brought to you in part by the nonprofit CMF Curo. Now is a great time to learn about CMF Curo as a pro-life Catholic health care option for your family. You can join any time throughout the year. Plus, you'll experience an authentic Catholic community that cares about your health, spirit, mind, and body. Call 833-GET-CURO. That's 833-G-E-T-C-U-R-O. Or visit MyCatholicHealthCare.com to learn more about CMF Curo. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's Choice in Senior Home Care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Nestled under the warm Florida sun is a university whose name indicates a vocational call. Ave Maria, Latin for Hail Mary, recalls the angel Gabriel's announcement to Mary of her future vocation, becoming the mother of God. Enriched by God's grace, Mary freely ascends to this call. This is the model for all students. Come to Ave Maria University, where you'll be empowered to clearly see your vocational call, whatever that call might be. Ave Maria University, your vocation location. Visit AveMaria.edu. Well, it's good to finally meet you in person. We've spoken over the phone, and I've been uh, following your, your journey, and you're here uh, to have a book signing for the Good News Marriage Cruise. Tell us um, what it's been like since the book came out. Um, well, it's been interesting, to say the least. First of all, you know, at the beginning of this process, I so looked forward to going out, right. meeting people. You know, it's kind of a, even even today for me, it's slightly an awkward situation, right? Because I think that people respond better if they hear you talk, right? right? They hear you speak, they hear you share a portion of your testimony, um, which I've been limited in being able to do over the last two years now, but not completely. You know, I've, some places they're doing stuff, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so it's been uh, it's been interesting. You know, the response for the book has been. I think really phenomenal. It's those every once in a while you get a message from somebody, hey, my son is in prison or my nephew is on drugs or and I want to get him a copy of your book or is there any chance? I think the fact that things have been more limited, I've had more personal sort of interactions mm-hmm. with folks. You know, my son is on drugs. Would you be willing to speak to him? Now, if I was super busy and the world was running the way the world right. used to run, I maybe wouldn't have that kind of time where I could just say absolutely. And so that, I think, has been maybe part of God's plan for me, right? Is that, because this is not about me, right? This is about Him. This is about what God has done in my life, right? It has nothing to do with me. If left to my own devices, you know, I'm, I'm not the greatest guy in Aren't the world. Aren't we all like that with our yeah. own devices? Yeah. But don't you think, too, with COVID, there's been so much in terms of people, unfortunately, turning to vices that aren't healthy, whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, pornography, that in some way your message is even going to be heard more clearly? Well, I'll tell you, I mean, in terms of people and vices and looking for outlets to sort of, you know, artificial, artificial outlets to fill that, that, that the void that the world is sort of living through, um, 
you know, overdose deaths have spiked yeah. over 40%. Suicide attempts, yeah. Suicide attempts. I, I heard a stat yesterday, a suicide attempts of young girls has quadrupled. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's we're living in some very difficult times. But then there's also, I've met a lot of people along the way that this has sort of kick-started their faith or reinvigorated their faith or mm-hmm. they were blessed to turn towards the Lord as opposed to turning to the world. You know, I think that people uh, absolutely have been looking for something to fill the void and not looking towards the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, anytime I look at any any direction of anything else to fill the void that I have in my heart, I always get the same thing. I get trouble, I get pain, I get sorrow, I get depression, I get, you know, and I can still fall prey to all of those things Mm -hmm. if I'm not vigilant about my recovery. And my recovery is based in my faith. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of people have suffered greatly through this time. You know, I think in, in a variety of ways, you know, online gambling, Pornography. You talked about pornography. Well, the online, well, the online gambling is incredible because now I, I've been noticing the last couple of months so much more on the phone. It, yeah. People can just pick up a phone now, and they can gamble with money they don't have. You said you've also seen a positive. Yeah. Movement. Well, I, I, I definitely, you know, I guess we're traveling in sort of different circles, right? right. We're traveling in circles that people are very faithful, mm-hmm. right? Or, or we're, you know. We're at an event like this, right? Where this is what unites us is our faith, right? right. So, um, I, but I have seen a lot of people turning towards God that maybe normally wouldn't, that wouldn't be their sort of solution, you know? Um, so I think that, you know, and I think for a lot of people, I think about the early stages of this thing. Having the time to spend with my family, having the time to sit down and play board games and pray together and yeah. do the rosary was unbelievable. We didn't, we never had that kind of time before. At least we didn't take the time. Right. We were caught up in the world. We were busy. We were still prayerful people. We were still being faithful, but we weren't really uh, faithful sort of as a family unit together, mm-hmm. right? And I think, so I know from my own personal family, it brought us together. It gave us that time. I couldn't remember the last time I sat down with my children and played a board game, right? They were adults, mm-hmm. right? Um, so for me, you know, COVID wasn't, uh, wasn't certainly wasn't all bad. Yeah. For business, it was terrible. Right. I didn't, you know, but I'm a fortunate person. I don't, I don't work to eat. You know, I'm, I'm, I do all right, you know, yeah. but um, my production company kind of went belly up and, but I was fine with it all, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, because I did feel a closeness to God. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people had that opportunity and took that opportunity. And then a lot of people turned to the world like they turned to the world, you know, they've been turning to the world since the beginning of time. Right. Right. And, uh, and they also turn towards, we, we talk about the phone. We talk about the phone and the access that the phone gives you. We're doing an interview right now. Right, on the phone. On your phone. Right. Right? And now people can watch pornography. They can gamble. They can, they can watch movies. They can make movies. They can, they can follow people in their mindless dribble, right, on social media, right? These poor young girls. They, they, they attribute 
this increase in suicide. To the whole social media. To the whole social Mm -hmm. media. Now you add on isolation, separation, depression, right? It's it's almost the perfect storm for for suffering. Right. You know? And so uh, a lot of my messaging over the last two years has been really simple. If there's, you know, call people. We, we keep talking about this phone and all the bad things about it. It can also be used for good. It's yeah. a lifeline. Right. This morning I had a, uh, like I do every Saturday, I had a Catholic men in recovery meeting on my phone over Zoom. And we had people from, I got one guy's a missionary in Africa. Mm. One guy lives in Canada and it's on like the lockdown of all lockdowns. Wow. Right. Um, and then there's guys from different states around the country and we come together and we talk about our recovery and we, and, and it's all grounded in the faith. Yeah. Right. So there's good, right? But it can't be the solution. Right. It cannot be no. the solution. Cause we were created to relate <clears throat> first with God, then with each other. And, we, and, and some of this I think is even, demonic in the sense that the isolation even though if you're living with your immediate family as you said there are benefits but for others who are already alone i think Mm -hmm. it creates more isolation but what i loved about your book and when we first spoke when the book came out was your emphasis on the eucharist yeah because unfortunately some catholics who maybe were going to mass once in a while got even Mm -hmm. further away from jesus in the eucharist because the churches were shut down for a while but for me the Eucharist is the reason I stayed Catholic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was raised Catholic. I fell away from the faith. Yep. And when my husband and I both had our major reversion, it, it was, you know, the St. Peter, where do we go, Lord? Only you have the, the words of eternal mm-hmm. life. The Eucharist. And, and your message is so Eucharistic. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's, you know, I, I try not to be controversial, mm-hmm. right? I, I, I'm, but I have to say that uh, I've been pretty angry over this sure. time period too, sure. right? To think that liquor stores are open and churches were closed. And churches yeah. were closed yeah. is just, I mean, when I think about it right now, it makes me emotional. Mm-hmm. It breaks my heart, mm-hmm. right? And I am a very, I was a very fortunate soul through that process because I was able to receive the Eucharist for most of that time because mm-hmm. the priest reached out to me and said, hey, you have a production company. Would you be willing to stream mass for me, right? And so I was able to do that, right? And I was able to be there and be present and receive the Eucharist, right? And, I mean, there were days that as grateful and as joyful as I was to be able to do that, I felt guilty, right? Or I felt, I don't know if it was guilt or I just felt so sad and brokenhearted for everybody else that wasn't able to do that, right? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't figure out in my mind why they weren't really able to do that. And, um, you know, there were a lot of priests that, um, that voiced their concerns about that stuff. And I, I was very sad to see a, a few of them were just canceled completely. Right. For me and my husband, we, we came close to yeah. divorce, and if it wasn't for our Catholic faith, mm. we wouldn't even oh, be here. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And so the Eucharist and mm. being being um, yoked together mm. in that faith. Maybe if you could encourage couples as, as mm. we wrap up, James. Well, I'll tell you. So I've been with my wife for, uh, we've been together for about 30 years. Mm. We just celebrated 26 years Congratulations. Thank you very much. And I can tell you that you know, we both had reversions. Um, probably, my wife's was probably somewhere around 15 years ago, and mine was just a little bit less than that, maybe 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I can honestly say that there's little to no chance that we would be together 
right now if that didn't happen. Yeah. God Amen. Didn't, Same thing for me and Deacon Absolutely. If God mm-hmm. didn't reveal himself to us and the way he re- revealed himself to us, it's yeah. it's it's miraculous. And, it, yeah. and, and the way he did it, mm-hmm. you know, the way he did it, using our Blessed Mother, using... And, and it, it was my wife first, right? My wife. See, it was my husband first, and it was me. <laughs> and so my wife, my wife had a reversion, and she was always open to the to the faith. And but we just weren't, you know, we weren't we weren't devout, we weren't practicing. And and I drifted after having a conversion of epic proportions in prison and meeting Mother Teresa and all these beautiful things happening. I walked away because I came home from prison, right as the biggest scandal to ever hit our yeah. church mm-hmm. happened and I was living in ground zero in right, Boston, in Boston. Massachusetts. Right. And so I walked away from the faith and uh you know I can remember, you know, us struggling to try to, you know, go to mass and and I can remember dropping my wife and children off to mass. You know, and I think about that today and I think about when I go to mass and I see all the men that are missing. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh and I, it's it hurts me, it, it, and I know that that's the enemy. That's what the enemy wants. He wants to divide us, right? And so um, my wife's reversion was so beautiful because it was just so attractive to me. It was so appealing to me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, she didn't come home fire or brimstone. She came home kinder and gentler and more loving. That's so funny. The same thing happened with Dominic. Yeah. And more forgiving. Yeah. Because my wife could stay mad. I mean, you know, forget about it. And so I became attracted to it, but I was, I still wasn't ready to, to do that, to take a, a step in that direction. And then slowly but surely, my wife started to sort of just nudge me a little bit. Maybe you should go on a retreat. Maybe you should, you know, do some. And I was like, yeah, no, no, no. And then she used the number one weapon in the house. She sent my daughter, who was 12 years old, <laughs> to talk to me. And my 12-year-old daughter came to me and she said, Daddy, I want you to go on this retreat. I want you to know Jesus. I want you to be happy. Mm -hmm. 12 years old. And she blew me away and she ripped the mask right off my face because I thought I had everybody fooled I'm a happy person, right? But it's always the people closest to you, the people that love you and the people that live under the roof with you that know truly, Mm -hmm. or at least they get a better sense of, the unhappiness and, and the lack of joy, right? right. And so um, I couldn't say no to her. I said yes, and then the enemy was not happy about that. So right away I started making a plan on how I was going to deal with this men's retreat the next weekend, and it was all about you know keeping them at a distance. I did 10 years in jail. I can do two days with these guys, mm-hmm. right? And I went in there. I had a hooded. My friends still laugh. I walked into that men's retreat with a hooded sweatshirt on with the hood on, and my arms folded across my chest and you know I and I was I had my Boston sort of street guy face right. on to keep them at a distance but God slowly just revealed himself through the course of the weekend and you know I was blessed with I could hear what I can only assume is his voice but it sounded like my own voice just saying I just keep an open mind even though I was on this side, I, I was like, this, I don't belong here. This is weird. This is not, mm-hmm. this is, you know, but I just kept hearing, just keep an open mind, just keep an open mind. And then as the weekend continued and I was 
involved in the different exercises and until I got to a point where I started to cry and I couldn't stop. Yeah. You know, I couldn't stop. And I remember I went home after that weekend and I literally went into my bedroom and my wife came in and we laid down on the bed and she said, how was the weekend? And I started to cry again. Uh-huh. And she just helped me like yeah. I was a child, yeah. you know? And I cried for a couple of days, you know? and. And then my intellect started to work a little bit in terms of, okay, what were the mistakes that you made in the past when you had your conversion? What were the things that allowed you to walk away from that, right? Where were, mm-hmm. the, where were the pitfalls? Where was the, you know, where was the fork in the road where you made the wrong choice? And I knew this. I knew that every relationship in my life that was worth anything took work. Hmm. And if I was going to have a relationship with Jesus, I was going to have to put effort into it. I was going to have to be in contact constantly, right? And I was going to need to share the good news, right? right? And what he has done in my life, right? And I had to bring other men to the foot of that cross. And I had to, it had to be an, had to be an active participant in that relationship. I had, sort of white light experiences where God, you know, touched me in a way that just knocked me to my knees. When I met Mother Teresa and I looked at her face, I thought I was looking at the face of God. It was that powerful, Mm -hmm. right? But somehow I walked away from all that, right? So I knew that I couldn't coast on that the way that retreat made me feel. I couldn't coast on that. I had to put effort into it. And And I've been blessed to say that I've been able to put that effort into it since that retreat. James, I know you have a book signing. God bless you. It's so nice to meet you in person, but thank you so much for what you're doing. And we need more people like you. God bless you. Thanks. So nice God to meet you. you in person. We've been talking with James Wahlberg, and we'll be right back on Catholic Connection. It was 30 years of pain, hiding what I did. It destroyed my life, little by little. I have hidden my true emotions since that day, the day I had the abortion. I was convinced, without a doubt, that God would not forgive me. Are you suffering with the burden of a past abortion? Come on a Rachel's Vineyard retreat and release your burden. Call 214-544-CARE. Attending the retreat allowed me to finally open up and share with others who have been down the same road. I am renewed. I have a sense of freedom, and I can finally feel God's grace. God healed each wound. I didn't have to do the work. All I had to do was come. I give thanks to God that he called me to the vineyard. Give yourself a chance to feel alive again. Call 214-544-CARE or visit racheldallas.org. Hi, this is Dave Palmer. Did you know that every Friday afternoon beginning at 2 p.m., I host a program called Back to the Father on the GRN social media sites? Each week, Cecil, Jonathan, Diane, and I discuss in a fun and lighthearted way some topic related to the teachings of St. Thomas Aquinas in the Summa Theologia. And yes, I did just include fun, lighthearted, and Summa Theologia in the same sentence. If you're interested in the program, email me, Palmer at grnonline.com, and I'll send you more details. Are you a commercial building owner, facilities manager, or commercial property owner who is having constant water leak issues with your roof? 
My name is Mari Buford, owner of Buford Roofing and Construction, proud sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network and a member of St. Francis of Assisi Parish in Grapevine. Commercial roof repairs and replacements can be stressful. We can explain the process of resurfacing your roof. We may be reached at 817-329-ROOF or at BufordRoofing.com. Welcome back at the Connection on a Friday morning. It is Friday, March 18th. Hope you're doing well. Hope you had a very nice St. Patrick's Day again. And this is our normal time for our Fact Check Friday segment. And a little background, if you're not familiar with this segment that we try to do at least every Friday. Uh, a few years ago, uh, during the uh, election of 2020, uh, two years ago now, I was very frustrated with the uh, lack of media accuracy not exactly a newsflash that the media are not uh, very accurate or careful in the way they report things, but it was so out of control I decided, you know what, I really need to just bring these stories to the forefront and help people understand how the media are really just manipulating them, especially when it comes to issues that pertain to us in terms of very concerned Christians about issues such as life and marriage and family. And I received a lot of great response on it, so I decided, well, let's keep it, because media discernment and media literacy are so important for all of us, because no matter how well educated one might be, it can be very confusing out there. The way the media pitch stories, the way they put stories, the way they place stories, uh, the headlines, the wording, it's very confusing. And again, I know lots of folks who have been, uh, you know, it's not exactly their first rodeo in terms of dealing with uh, life and, and issues, and yet they come to me and say, do you know if this is true? Because it seems very, very odd. So anyway, that's how Fact Check Friday was born. So a little background on that for our listeners who may not be aware of this segment. But today I thought that we would have a good news story because Fact Check Friday is not only about taking the media to task, but it's also the opportunity to promote good stories and when they're covered well. Now, this story did not receive, at least I didn't see it, any coverage beyond uh, the Catholic and Christian world. But nonetheless, I think it's a, a good news story that will give you something to ponder and think about as we move through Lent. I love the saints. There is uh, no denying that. If you listen to the show on a regular basis, I'm always talking about the saints because I do believe that they help us in so many ways, in addition to interceding for us before the throne of God, as St. Therese says, I will spend my time in heaven doing good things on earth. I believe they help give us perspective in the church. So many of them have been through so much worse than what we're seeing right now, both in the world and in the church, in terms of controversy and scandal and, of course, the horrors we're seeing right now in Ukraine. Many have lived through much worse, and they taught us so much about how the church is still the church and to stay in the mothership, the bark of Peter, to help her get us all to the other side our true home, which is heaven. And so I wanted to reflect and share some comments on the Holy Father's message over the weekend. This happened on Saturday. I was really touched by it, where he was celebrating a special anniversary for several saints. It was a mass marking the 400th anniversary. You talk about powerhouses. Listen to this. It was the 400th anniversary of the canonization of saints Ignatius of Loyola, Francis Xavier, Teresa of Avila, Philip Neary and Isidore the Farmer. Think about that. Think about all those people, these amazing men and women, Teresa of Avila being a doctor of the church, of course, the first female doctor of the church. But think about all the impact these folks have had on the Catholic Church, 
and on the world. And Teresa of Avila is respected and much loved by many outside, as are all of these saints, actually, that I'm mentioning. But Teresa of Avila considered the greatest mystic or one of the greatest mystics. Her writings are studied and reviewed by so many people outside of the church. And that's one of the reasons you become a doctor of the church. That's what that title has to do with in terms of your work influencing the world and the church. So the Holy Father is commemorating this anniversary and talking about being part of the communion of saints. He said, the saints we commemorate today were pillars of communion. They remind us that for all of our differences of character and viewpoint, and I really like this point that he's making here, because if you look at the lives of the saints, they're so different in terms of their, again, personalities, their makeup. Teresa of Avila, for example, was extremely outgoing. She was funny. She had a sense of humor. She would even joke with God. One of her famous sayings, Lord, if this is the way you treat your friends, no wonder you have so few. And she said, sometimes life is no- nothing more or seems like nothing more than one night in a very bad inn. And this was a doctor of the church. And by the way, that comment, this is the way you treat your friends, no wonder you have so few, came in a difficult time when she was traveling across Spain to reform yet another Carmelite convent. And it's said that she tipped over in her carriage and ended up in the mud. And, of course, then she uh, had a few words with our Lord over that situation. But the Pope says we commemorate today the pillars of communion. And he says St. Ignatius of Loyola, Francis Xavier, Teresa of Avila, and Philip Neri, explaining they were canonized by Pope Gregory on March 12th in 1622. Isidore the Farmer was declared a saint 10 days later on March 22nd, 1622. And in the homily at Mass last weekend, the Holy Father reflecting on the Gospel reading for the second Sunday of Lent, the Transfiguration of Jesus. He said, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. The Lord takes his disciples together. He takes him as a community. We belong to Jesus and we belong to him as a society. He said, let us never tire of asking for the strength to form and foster communion, to be a leaven of fraternity for the church and for the world. He went on to say, we are not soloists in search of an audience, but brothers arranged as a choir. Now he's speaking to Jesuit priests, so that's why he was referring to brothers for the particular people who were in the um in the church there that day on Saturday. We are not soloists, isn't that great, in search of an audience. We are brothers arranged as a choir. Let us think with the church and reject the temptation to be concerned about our own personal success or attainments. He's speaking to members of the Jesuit order here. To members of religious orders, our vocation is grounded in communion. To start anew each day, we need to experience once more the mystery of our election and the grace of living in the church. Our hierarchical mother and for the church, our spouse. He was talking about speaking, staying away from losing sight of who we are. He said, in that way, we continue to speak and theorize while losing sight of the flesh of our brothers and sisters and the concreteness of the gospel. One of the great tragedies of our time is the refusal to open our eyes to reality and instead to look the other way. And here he mentioned St. Teresa of Avila. He said, St. Teresa helps us move beyond ourselves to go up the mountain with the Lord to realize that Jesus also reveals himself through the wounds of our brothers and sisters, the struggles of humanity, and the signs of the times. And so the emphasis here was on, obviously, the brotherhood of uh, fellow priests from the Jesuit order, but he picked out each saint and talked about the different values that they have. And he also reminded those gathered at the church in Rome that recalling the importance of prayer He pointed to the example of St. Philip Neri, whose prayer expanded his heart and made him open his doors to the street children of Rome of his time. 
or St. Isidore, who prayed in the fields and brought his farm work to his prayer. So these are just a few of the saints that were recognized, and this was last Saturday, March 12th, the 400th anniversary of the canonization of saints Ignatius of Loyola, Francis Xavier, Teresa of Avila, Philip Neri, and Isidore the Farmer. Now the Mass was celebrated by the Jesuit Superior at the Church of the Jesu, beautiful church in Rome, the Mother Church of the Society of Jesus, founded, of course, by St. Ignatius of Loyola. So these incredible saints are powerhouses. And why did I want to share this good news story with you this morning? Because we have been inundated, especially of late, with the situation in Ukraine, with bad news. We have to remember the good news. We have to remember that our saints help us look back, help us remember the history of the church and how the church has been a leader of peace in the world and how the church has stood the test of time and continues, despite all our challenges, to stand the test of time because Jesus keeps his promise. And we need to remember, and the saints again help us do this with their good news stories, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. In Matthew 16, 18. We'll be right back. Join the people of St. Jude Parish in Allen on the third Saturday of each month as they hold their 40 Days for Life. Following morning Mass, participants will carpool to the Whole Women's Health Clinic to peacefully pray for an end to abortion and offer Choose Life handouts. Participants will meet up back at St. Jude after about an hour. If you've been looking for a way to further the pro-life cause, this is your chance. Are you a small company in need of tech support? Do you have technical issues that come up and you don't know what to do? Does your church need guidance with live streaming? I am Charles Gura, a parishioner at St. Catherine of Siena Parish in Carrollton and a sponsor of KATH 910 AM. Whether it's making sure computers are updated or they are backed up, ProMultis can provide these and other services. We can be reached at 214-702-6996 or online at pro-multis.com. That's P-R-O-M-U-L-T-I-S.com. Do you have items that are too nice to toss, but you haven't donated anywhere yet? Maybe you were going to have a yard sale, but it's just so much work. The altar servers of St. John Paul II Parish in Denton are looking for donations of new or gently used items for their yard sale. Donations can be dropped off at the parish office or on the deck of the old building, Building C. Please limit furniture to smaller items like end tables or chairs. Contact Trey at treyalley42 at gmail.com. Are you looking for a tax preparer this year to help you with your personal or business tax filing or management? At Balance Book LLC, they can assist with business and personal tax returns, accounting services, sales tax, payroll, business formations, and more. They can be reached by calling 972-805-5095, or you can visit them at 4425 West Airport Freeway, Suite 122, Irving, Texas 75062. Balance Book LLC, a new sponsor of the GRN and members of Holy Spirit Catholic Church in Duncanville. Welcome back, Catholic Connection. Hope you're having a wonderful day moving through Lent. And something we always need to do, of course, is to, and I say this a lot, as you know, is to really 
study scripture and embrace it in our lives and it's so easy to do as a Catholic because we follow of course the same liturgical uh, schedule and readings and all you have to do is get maybe the Magnificat or go on to EWTN.com or AveMariaRadio.net or countless other wonderful websites to follow along with the daily mass readings and you get so much out of it and learn so much about the church and and the faith in general. Another way to do that is to visit places in the United States and the world that help us learn more about scripture in our lives and I cannot recommend enough the Museum of the Bible in Washington DC. My first trip there was right after the March for Life. Uh, John Hill from Corporate Travel took a few of us who were there for the big event on a private tour uh, that was given by uh, one of their top leaders at the Museum of the Bible. By the way, the website is museumofthebible.org. And you remember, last week we interviewed Father Robert Spitzer, our very own Father Robert Spitzer, who was part of the kickoff for their amazing shroud exhibit. Now, the shroud itself is not moving from Torino, Italy, to Washington for this exhibit, but this is an exhibit about the shroud. And Father Spitzer, as he explained yesterday, said it's so, so detailed and incredibly wonderful in terms of helping us understand about what is considered to be by many one of the greatest uh, religious relics. The church hasn't officially called it that, but many believe it is, and it's currently housed in St. John the Baptist Church in the city of Turin, Italy. Well, when we were there in January, the day after the March of Life, for a wonderful tour, and I could have spent a week there. I mean, you could spend a week there and still not see everything at the Museum of the Bible. It is so well done, and they work very closely with the Catholic Church and have a great relationship with E.W. Chan, by the way, to, to bring to our listeners and viewers many of their incredible programs and, and exhibits. I had the opportunity to sit down and speak with the Chief Curatorial Officer, Jeffrey Cloa, spent some time with me talking about how this all came about, this incredible museum of the Bible, and what it means to us as Christians, but also to those who are just coming in, maybe being curious to learn. And he also mentions the incredible exhibit of the Shroud, which is open now and runs through this summer. So I think you'll enjoy this interview that I did when I was at the museum back in January. I saved it just for you. I want to pick up on, uh, Doctor, on something that Norm said, talking about what you try to do here, which is talk about the impact of the Bible, the narrative, and the history. When people come here, I mean, it's so overwhelming when you walk in in the first place. It's so beautifully designed. I mean, yeah. you just get lost in the whole history of the Bible, and you feel like you're in the Middle East. It's so, it's, it's so stunning. But how do you apply these three points, the impact, narrative, and history, in the Bible Museum? Well, those give us an opportunity to present the Bible in a very appealing way in a public space. So by focusing on the Bible as a uh, something that's impacted culture and something that everyone in the world, everyone in America should know about, regardless of their background or tradition, sort of provides an entry point uh, for people to either learn more about the Bible or maybe learn about it for the first time. So it, it, it creates kind of a safe space and, and things like the history of the Bible uh, to help people understand how long uh, the Bible has been copied and passed on, all the places in the world, virtually every culture where it's been used, uh, its long history, and uh, how, how it has been handed down generation after generation. So just from a purely academic or artistic uh, point, you can appreciate the history of the Bible. Mm -hmm. So these, these give us uh, kind of easy ways or helpful ways to connect people in uh, from any background, uh, faith background or not, uh, to 
become more interested or learn something more about the Bible. And the impact, I think, how does that come across when people, the impact in terms of what they're seeing, in terms of knowledge, yeah. possibly faith, that's between them and God, yeah. but the impact Yeah, is- I think for most people, uh, that's a surprising area because they don't realize the, the rich impact and the broad impact that the Bible has had in America and around the world. You know, pop music, you don't think about the Bible having any impact. There's constantly allusions to things. Or, or healthcare. Uh, most people think healthcare is a basic human right. Well, that's an idea that came from the Bible, right? And, and, and the nature of healing and the role of, of the church in caring for that, caring for people, mm-hmm. it comes from the Bible. So, so to remind people and to point out that, uh, these things we take for granted wouldn't exist if it weren't for the Bible and its impact the way people used it over the centuries. Even common phrases, the handwriting on the wall, yeah, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, straining at gnats, or yeah. you take your pick, right? The Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, people don't know where these come from. Yeah. yeah, and it comes from the Bible. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the, the purpose. I know that um, you talk about the fact that you're giving people the book that gave them the world, reintroducing the book that gave them the world. What do you mean by that? They discover the world through the Bible, which actually gave us the world because of God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and especially uh, we take a very interactive approach in the museum. Uh, the Hebrew Bible experience in particular uh, is a very engaging, award-winning uh, experience, a 30-minute multimedia, it's hard to explain, walkthrough of the narrative of the Hebrew Bible. And that basic story of creation by God, uh, the brokenness of the world, God's efforts to restore it uh, through through people, uh, really, that's just a framework to introduce people to the importance of this story and how it has impacted our world in, in profound ways. And again, we hope to introduce people to it for the first time, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, or at least to remind themselves of the importance of this story. What is it like for you to work in a place that has so much history and so many incredible incredible biblical artifacts? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's humbling, and you know, I like to say we have... You know, over 4,000 years of history in virtually every culture in the world. So we will never run out of topics at Museum of the Bible. And uh, we work with a wide range of people, backgrounds, interests. It's really pretty exciting because there's no end uh, to the impact of the Bible and the rich history of the Bible. So it's, it can be a very, it is a very creative place. Uh, lots of ideas, lots of people that we collaborate with. And uh, it, I think it helps show the profound impact of the Bible and the way it continues to bring people together uh, to provide hope and uh, forward-looking focus um, uh, in our world today. Now, you studied, you mentioned at the University of Michigan, and uh, of course, it's very close to Alfa Maria Studios, and it's a a great university. Did you expect to work in a place like this? What was your main goal? I'm just curious. Well, (laughs) so uh, my actual worked in academia for a professor, provost for 18 years, and uh, my graduate work and academic work is in Greek manuscripts. Um, And I love teaching. It was fantastic. Uh, But what really intrigues me about the museum and what brought me here years ago was the uh, idea to put the Bible out in the public space Mm. in a new way. Uh, no one's tried this before. It's it's a bit of an experiment, right? To be in Washington D.C., you know, for goodness' sake, uh, and to put the Bible out there, uh, you can imagine the reaction. Right? Sure. Um, but it's 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 an experiment. It's an effort to try to put the Bible into the public conversation in a way that no one's tried before, and to provide a platform for it, uh, to provide opportunities for people to hear from others, uh, the speaker series, events, um, conferences, as well as exhibits. 
uh, that's what's really appealing to me is, eh, let's try something a little bit different. And, you know, we only get people for two hours, three hours, four mm-hmm. hours. Uh, but I think this place is so impactful. So, as, as, you, as you mentioned, as you walk right. in, it's just amazing that you can't not walk away from here wanting to learn more. And so I think that's what our niche is. We can, we can get into a space that the Bible hasn't been before in kind of this cultural museum space and uh, show this broad impact and uh, give people a taste, uh, whet their appetite uh, to learn more. And so what has been the response since you opened? Yeah, it's, it's well, uh, pre-COVID, right? Right, yeah, pre-COVID. But it's, it's, uh, it's remarkable. In fact, uh, we, I make sure to read through our guest survey responses every month, you know, at least skim through it and see what the responses are. I mean, you look at marketing, our net promoter score is off the charts. It's yeah. always super, extremely high. But what's also gratifying is I get comments from people, we get comments from people who come from no faith background. They just heard we have a very interesting museum, the technology, the artifacts, and and they're surprised, right? They're surprised at how well it's done, how uh, approachable it is, and they have an entry point to learn more that they haven't had before. May I ask if you don't mind what it's done for you personally and your faith in terms of uh, being here? Uh, Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm Lutheran by background, uh, ordained and served the congregation, taught at the seminary, uh, but what's been... um, and had a lot of contact, you know, beyond Lutheran circles previously. Right. But uh, what's been really fascinating for me and helpful for me is to uh, really just get to meet people from all kinds of backgrounds mm-hmm. and traditions mm-hmm. and see how the Bible and its message can really be so unifying. Yeah. We're all really trying to help accomplish the same thing. Right. And the Bible is a source that allows us to make an impact on the world. Mm-hmm. And to be able to work with, you know, the uh, we work with the Vatican Museum right. and Library, right. work yeah. with the Patriarchate of Constantinople, we're doing a project with the Catalcus of uh, Armenia. Uh, I mean, all across the board, it's been f- fantastic to see everyone kind of catch that vision of, of let's put the Bible out there and, and let people get a taste of it. And because with the Bible, you're giving them the history of the world. Exactly. Right? Yeah. 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 And and and, uh, and it continues to have this uh, and, and should have more of an impact on the world. Uh, still. It sounds like it's not only extremely ecumenical, but also very inclusive of, of and a reflection yeah. of the, 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 the global population. Yeah. The well, the Bible, the right. Bible doesn't belong to any one person or group, right? right. And, and, uh, uh, and it's been right from the beginning, the book of Acts, right? God's word was translated right on the first day to, right. into multiple languages. And so from the beginning, uh, that message, the Bible was to go out to all people everywhere. And so we definitely want to reflect that, uh, that, that, that this is not just uh, you know, this tradition's Bible or this country's Bible, but it's, it's all people everywhere. Mm-hmm. And we like to be able to show that you know, whoever comes into the museum, we want them to be able to feel like this is their museum, that their story is here because the Bible is shaping their story. I know that you have, and this is exciting to me because I've had the blessing of seeing the Shroud of Turin twice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, I had in Torino. I I led uh, pilgrimage through our radio station when it was exposed in the last um, 10, 15 years, and it's an amazing, amazing experience. And I've also been to Notre Dame, uh, the hotel and complex in Jerusalem. We have a wonderful Shroud of Turin exhibit. It's fabulous. uh, With Father Father Kelly, Mm -hmm. who's Father Eamon Kelly, who's a good uh, friend Mm -hmm. of ours at EW10, Ave Maria. And this is very exciting. So tell us about the Shroud exhibit you're doing. Yeah, this is this is a fantastic project. I'm very pleased with how the exhibition has turned out. Um, so it's obviously a very well-known object. Right. And uh, it's 
really one of the most famous artifacts in the in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it it depicts there's an image of Jesus, and and that's a pretty core to our story here. What we do mm-hmm. at the museum. Uh, so it provides a way to, what we like to do is take familiar objects and then draw people in and, and help them engage. So we approach uh, this exhibition uh, on multiple levels, like we do with other projects. We talk about its history, we talk about the background in the Bible, um, how it relates to the gospel accounts, we talk about um, uh, how it's perceived by people, its impact on faith and, uh, and uh, devotion, the scientific aspects of it, the pop culture aspects of it. It really hits so many aspects of, of life that it, it really provided a rich way to, to bring people in. And again, uh, our, for our purposes, the key point is to engage in the Bible. Right. right? And so, of course, that's, that's a huge part of the exhibit. Right. Is how does this give us an opportunity to draw people back to the Bible? Right. Um, but we we obviously will not have the shroud here. Right. That's not going to happen, just to make that clear. Um, but uh, as you see in the rest of the museum, we've developed a number of interactives, very engaging things for people to do. We just finished up a social media thing. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think people, you can spend a couple hours just in that exhibit alone. Well, congratulations. This is my first time here. I'm, I'm sorry I haven't come before, but I'm definitely going to come back and spend more time. Well, next time, plan, plan a day. It's, it's fascinating. And yeah. I've had the opportunity to go to the Holy Land to leave pilgrimages yeah. there, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. And so it's just kind of connecting for yeah. me. And also spending a lot of time in Rome. Right. And we were in the room for the uh, dedicated to the Vatican Museums. And yeah. I know you have a partnership yeah. with them as well. So it's, it's beautifully done. And I think it's it's for all people. And, Absolutely, yeah. And congratulations. I think this is... Um, God, I think, is smiling down on this. I do, I do think so. I think he's giving you a big thumbs up. Great. Well, thank so you very thank much. Thank you so much. Nice yeah. to meet you and nice chat with you. you. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and lighthouse work. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile. Everyday living. Effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. He was a pope, a saint, and a doctor of the church. Matthew Bunsen and the doctors of the church. Pope St. Gregory I the Great is one of only four popes honored as the Great. Among his many achievements was sending missionaries across Northern Europe, especially St. Augustine of Canterbury, who brought Christ to the people of England. In a pun, Pope Gregory called the English people angels. He died in 604. For more about the doctors of the church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. Do you own popular index mutual funds or ETFs? If so, you're automatically owned shares of companies that conflict with your moral beliefs. Ave Maria mutual funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors can invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. The experienced professional portfolio managers make decisions based on investment fundamentals and pro-life values. You can learn more about Ave Maria mutual funds today at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. 
tuning in to the EWTN and the Ave Maria Radio Networks. Find us both online, EWTN.com and AveMariaRadio.net. In addition to the archives, you'll find daily at the archives section of AveMariaRadio.net. I always want to encourage you for news and views from a truly Catholic perspective please visit our news sources it's so important to make sure that you are seeing things through the lens as al cresta always says of scripture and the teachings of the catholic church so how do you do that well my faves catholic news agency i use them every day catholicnewsagency.com the national catholic register ncregister.com and then of course there are great programs here on the ewtn network that help you take a look at the news again through a catholic perspective you have the world over with news director raymond arroyo you have ewtn news nightly every single night covering all the stories in the U.S. and around the world, you have In-Depth. It's a relatively new program looking at issues in-depth from the news perspective. So just to keep that in mind, when you see something out there in the news or in the world and you're troubled by it, come to us. We've got the resources. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. We trust that God plays a big role in our ability to persevere. When we stand on the firm belief of who Jesus is and how much he loves us, we're able to keep walking. Plan to attend Perseverance in Faith in the 11th Annual North Texas Catholic Men's Conference on Saturday, April 30th from 8 to 3.30 p.m. at St. Anne Catholic Church in Capel. We'll pray, listen, sing, worship, and encounter Christ in a way that helps us to be his living disciples. Catholic speakers will include Annie Hickman and others, plus music by the Dave Moore Band. All clergy and seminarians are free. Register today at catholicbrothersforchrist.com. That's catholicbrothersforchrist.com. Your odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in the pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs are available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Blessed be God, blessed be His holy name, blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man, blessed be the name of Jesus, blessed be His most sacred heart, blessed be His most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. 
Blessed be the great Mother of God, Mary most holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth, and North Texas. Catholic Radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. 